Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with the A.B. Corker Foundation for Mental Health. We are your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week, through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We are not experts or therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and have interviewed hundreds of others who do as well. By sharing stories of lived experiences, we expose depression for the lying bully that it is. Hello, Bridget. Hi, Terry. We came across an article titled, When You're Homesick for All That You Were Before a Depression. Homesick is a word that we've never heard associated with depression, and it intrigued us. Homesick is defined as experiencing distress and longing during an absence for something that we find comfort in and are accustomed to. That phrase is specific to home, but we're thinking it could be life-sick or even self-sick when used with depression because we are distressed, deeply distressed by the absence of our life and ourselves as we know them. Because of that article and the fact the idea of being homesick got us thinking, we made social media posts with some quotes from it, and they prompted some really good discussions. Since talking about depression is one of the ways we can destigmatize it, we reached out to its author, Savannah Wall, to talk more about what she wrote and the feelings she'd had that led to her writing the article, which we think many of you will understand and relate to. Here now is Savannah in an interview we recorded a couple years ago, giving her voice to depression. Okay, Savannah, so I want to talk to you both about your experience with depression and also your article. Do you have any preference which way we start? No, I don't. Not at all. Okay. Then I'm going to start by asking about five things you wrote that you articulated in a way that really hit home with us, and I'm going to read them and ask you to just sort of elaborate on them and inspire me more. So first was the very idea that you were homesick for all that you were before depression. And we had never heard the word homesick used to describe it. But it's kind of like us sick, right? We can't find us. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Not only do you feel alone, I felt physically heavy. And, you know, and though I'm married, you know, I'm happily married, and I have great friends and a support system, have family, I have all that, like, you know, a normal person would want. But I just felt so empty and so far away from the people that I loved, even though my love for them was so immense. And I know that their love for me was immense. No matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't feel them. Um, it's just a very, very dark place to be. I didn't know how to describe it except for just feeling really homesick and homesick for the people that I loved, homesick for, you know, kind of who I was before depression, homesick for that bubbly, you know, energetic, you know, woman that I was. Um, and I just, I couldn't get there no matter how hard I tried. It's hard to explain, isn't it? How at once we can feel so completely empty and yet so heavy because we tend to associate empty with lightness. But there's like a physical weight to depression. I remember just trying to get out of bed and feeling like, you know, something was stacked on my chest. Yeah, like a stack of bricks. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. 
So one of your quotes was, it pains me that I no longer feel like a broken plate of glass, salvageable, because it only cracked in three pieces. Maybe some people can cement their broken hearts with green tea, matcha, and essential oils, or whatever the earthy healing trend is today. But that doesn't cut it for me. I felt crushed, shattered in ashes, dust-like. Ugh, I almost cried for you. That's exactly how it was, and that's exactly what I was feeling in that moment. You know, I'm not going to lie. I did try different things because I was in such a desperate place. You know, I tried the vanilla and the lavender candles and, you know, um, hot baths and spicy foods and all those things that they say helps the brain, you know, trigger, you know, happy dopamine and all that. And it just wasn't working because it was just at such a dark place that I really, truly needed to seek help. Oh, can you imagine people saying to us if we found out that we had any other chronic illness burn a lavender candle and you might feel better? Why would they expect that to work? Exactly. I know. It's an illness and it, and it overtakes you and you have no sense of like control in a way. And it might make you feel okay in the moment. It might, it might make you feel relaxed, but nothing really truly takes away that emptiness, that void feeling that I mean, it literally sh- just shakes you to the ground. I mean, you, you, you just don't feel like you can get up. Continuing on that theme, you wrote, If you're going through depression, I know you feel heavy. You make a list of different reasons to tell your friends why you can't make the outing so they sound different each time. Maybe you have a good friend, a loving spouse, or even a furry friend to take away your Sunday blues, but you still feel alone. Yeah, I did make up things. Um, I ha- also had, um, you know, an autoimmune disease where I could blame that instead of my depression, you know, and say, oh, well, you know, I, you know, I can't really move well today. You know, I don't know what it was, but I was almost, you know, embarrassed or ashamed at the time to, you know, say, well, you know, I'm feeling really depressed right now. I don't really want to go out. Okay. So is it because you were embarrassed or ashamed? I wonder sometimes if we just hide it to keep everybody the hell away, even though that's probably very unhealthy. Um, The last thing I wanted to do was go out and, you know, with a girlfriend and go shopping and act like, you know, I was happy and go lucky and I wanted, you know, those shoes or I wanted that bag. I, I wanted nothing. I just wanted to be in my bed and sleep and not see anyone, you know, and, and, and not only that, but because there's a part of you that doesn't want to feel like a burden, which is sad that we feel like it's a burden on people. But that's one of the reasons I had such a hard time, you know, just saying and, and, and even admitting that I was dealing with depression at the time. Yeah, we don't want to bother people with it. So, so many people talk about, I should, you know, I should feel good. I should be happy. I should be grateful because I have this fill-in-the-blank life. And you wrote, quote, it's not that you're not grateful. You are heartbroken, hopeless at the thought you're alive. And yet, no matter how hard you try, you just can't seem to be present. Oh, that is so spot on. Oh, gosh, it's, um, I, it's you're, you're kind of bringing me back to the place of the article. It's like, oh, my goodness, it's just so raw. That's the only way I could really describe it. And it's true because 
it doesn't really have anything to do with not being grateful. It's really just you cannot shake this inner feeling. It almost feels like an inner monster that's just like dancing in you and, and you can't seem to get rid of it. And, it. and it brings you, you know, more into that depression. Mm. Okay. So you said again, it's not that you're not grateful. It's that you were desperate, frantic, for just a moment not to feel miles and miles away from everything and everyone you love. Mm-hmm. Imagine, like, you're a string tied to everything and everyone you love, but, you know, it's just, like, cut, and you're just alone, yeah. and that's just, you just don't feel anything at all. When you said depression feels like you were waiting for something that was never going to happen, what was the something? Waiting for the moment where I wake up where, one, I don't feel depression, and two, I am literally feeling the way I used to feel the moment before depression, like, just, like, swarmed over me. Mm. Because it's two completely different lives. It really is. Completely different. So how did you get out of that place? Well, in um, 2018, you know, that was the year I actually, I started self-harming because it just, depression was just, you know, it just wrecked me so much. Um, My husband was the one who said, hey, you know, and I'm so happy he's so direct with me. I think we all need someone like that in our lives. You know, he was like, you need to seek help. We need to get you help. And I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And I said, okay. And I think that was the first step to truly healing. I, you know, sought counseling. I got medical treatment. And those treatments worked for you? I want to say, give or take a month or two, I really started to feel different. And I, I, I want to say, like, I started feeling kind of, like, hopeful again. Um, and it was such a feeling that I missed so much. I was like, oh, I woke up one morning, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I feel lighter today. And I just felt new again. I'm truly in a really, just a much better place today than I was two years ago. <laughs> Did either the onset or the relief from come quickly, or did they both sort of creep up, the into depression and the out of depression, I mean? The into depression, I really want to say, it just came. It just, like, hit me one day. I want to say, like, one day I literally just felt broken. Oh, that is the exact word I use, broken. Yes, you know, and then coming out of it, it was very much more of a slow process. You know, little by little, I felt better, and I started to do more things. You know, I really have God and, uh, you know, counselors and doctors to really thank for that because um, it really, 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 really got me out of a dark time. I'm going to challenge you a bit, if you'll allow, on the front end, because this is a question I ask myself. I wonder if it does come on fast and go away slowly, or if we don't recognize it coming on, if we don't know or notice the warning signs, because it's not like you get a sore throat or a sniffle and think, oh, shoot, you know, I'm getting a cold. I wonder if we're so accustomed maybe to bad days that we brush them off, and by the time we notice the change, we are in it. Yeah, I I think... I think you're absolutely right on that. I think we miss warning signs, you know, and, and, it, and it's hard because maybe you see the signs, but you don't really know what to do to, like, prevent the depression because, like, with a cold, you know, you start sniffling and your throat hurts, you can get an antibiotic, but 
you know, with depression, it's, you know, what, what do you do to prevent it? And that's what's so hard about it. Exactly. And so maybe that, if we can notice it, is when we dig into what we keep calling a toolkit and know that to avoid depression, possibly, hopefully, or to lessen the slide into what you call the pit of hell, if we need to sleep more, if we need to connect more, connect less, um, drink more water, drink less something else, I just want to know what we can do because it has to feel better to think that we have some control over this. I've actually never thought of having a literal little box kit or something that has Mm -hmm. things in there that you love, or maybe you can pull it out and, um, you know, look through it, or whether it's pictures or something that kind of just makes you feel more nostalgic and maybe Mm -hmm. less depressed. I don't know. (laughs) I never thought of that. Maybe I'm going to start doing that. (laughs) Well, I have a suggestion. We've been told by a couple of our guests that it can be really helpful to write yourself a note or a letter when you're well that says things that you know to be true about yourself. I have a good sense of humor. I am loved. I am safe. Things that we don't believe anymore when we're in it. And then you can read it. It's not printed out. It's in your own hand. So you know that this is you telling you to remember you. That's wonderful. And and it's so much better hearing it from yourself than it is when someone else is telling you. Because we have such a hard time you know, hearing things like that from other people, you're just saying that, you know, and, and it's hard to really mm-hmm. believe it. But when you're saying it to yourself and you know you've written it, it's a completely different story. Okay, we kind of went into your story from your article, but were there things you wanted to say about your depression that we haven't discussed? You know, depression was kind of my own thing. I dealt with it on my own, and that's why I ended up, you know, in, in the pit. I call it like the pit of hell. <laughs> um because I wasn't opening up and I wasn't sharing anything with anyone, um, it's okay for one. It's okay to not be okay, but you really need to understand the consequence of um, holding it in your entire life and not letting anyone in. It can really wreck your life. And um, I really want people to, to seek help. And even if it's just telling one person at one little, you know, by yourself and, you know, and, um, or if it starts with writing it down and, and what you want to tell depression, you know, I think just taking that first step will really, really make a difference in your life. It certainly can. When Savannah said, I dealt with it on my own and I held it in and that had consequences, that was just like, oh boy, does it ever. And it reminded me of the recent episode we did with Michael Landsberg, which we will link to. And somebody wrote and said, until I heard him say that, until I heard him talking on your podcast, I never told anybody. I never acknowledged that this was something other than just who I am and how I am. And the person writing who happened to be a middle-aged man said, you know, I'm going to talk to somebody. I'm going to go see a therapist and talk to my doctor. And it was like, oh, that. Wonderful. So it, it doesn't just have consequences for us to hold it in. It makes other people who are dealing with this think they're the only one, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. When she said I was also waiting for the moment that I didn't feel depression, it kind of occurred to me that I don't think I even had enough hope in the depths of it to, to even like 
think that. There wasn't room for that. Mm-mm. You know, I was too oppressed. Too, that little black box was so dark and compressed that there wasn't room for that. Which, waiting for the moment that I don't feel depression. I think that, you know, from all the people we've talked to, it's pretty common to be convinced you're always going to feel the way you're feeling when you're in it. I think that's part because of... Because it's who you are. In, 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 in its entirety, right? Because, I mean, it, because depression convinces you it's who yes, you are. Yes, yes, of course. Yes. It's not true at all. Yes, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. That's the thing. That's the absolutely. key, right? It's like, yes. it's lying. You won't always feel that way. But to say to anybody in it, hey, the storm passes, you won't always feel that way. It sounds like Trite. platitudes. Yes, but it's yes. truth. It's truth. Trust us. Trust us. You know, it is truth. Yeah. And we've heard it from so many people. Yep. And we acknowledge that when you're in it, you can absolutely yeah. not have bandwidth for that and, and not believe that that's even an option. We do. I not only want to thank Savannah, but I want to say bravo to her husband. He right. noticed the changes. He lovingly said, like, okay, I'm drawing the line. You know, we're going to get help. Mm-hmm. And to say, I will be there with you every step. Even as I say it, I, I got goosebumps. Me too. I will be there with you every step of the way. Who doesn't I mean, that's want it. that? That's right it. there. Boom. Boom. That's, that's the path that someone who's, who notices changes offers help in a loving way. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the path. And doesn't abandon somebody. you while you're getting your support, right? It says, yep. I'll be here. Yep. You don't have to do it alone. And he know, you know, I'm sure she noticed it too, but he noticed it, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, of course. that's bravo. I wish bravo. I knew his name. <laughs> uh, one of the things when we were preparing this episode, we were still sort of stuck on that word homesick because we've used a lot of words to describe it, never that. And we looked up a quote that we could end the episode with. And uh, one of our favorite authors, Unknown, wrote, I am homesick for a place I'm not sure even exists. Where my heart is full, my body loved, and my soul understood. Yum. Yum. So we're going to close this episode with that thought, um, with that hope. We are going to thank Savannah, and I thank you, Bridget, for um, you know always having interesting insights. I love hearing what you have to, to say at the end of these episodes. I love you. Thanks. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.